<laughs> Welcome back to Millennial Wavelengths. Today we've got me, Akram, and Michelle, who's interviewing me all the way in London. <laughs> that's good. See, that's a better start than me starting. Okay, so what are we going to talk about? First of all, we're going to go straight into the deep stuff. Sure. Which is like the hottest topic around at the moment, mm -hmm. mental health. Um, and why is it the hottest topic? But tell me your view on mental health. That's a big question. Very big one. Um, an area that's completely neglected, I think, uh, on the most part, um, at least uh, my or millennial generations. Um, we completely are either completely unaware of it, it's an issue, and feel shamed by the fact that we might have any mental health issue, we always have to be okay all the time, or we're extremely aware of it and let it control our lives and use it as an excuse to not do things. Oh, I'm not, I've, I have mental health issues, I can't do this. Well, no one, when I was your age, no one talked about mental health at all. So it wasn't like what I thought of, it's quite weird. Now it's it's almost cool. I mean, that sounds bad, but it's almost cool mm. to talk about mental health. And But mental health, when I was, well, maybe a bit younger than you, but what I remember was mental homes and crazy people walking around. So my view when I was younger of mental health was just people were crazy, right? And that's still probably an old-fashioned view of mental health. Well, I've, I've seen it. I've seen it. It was the same for me growing up. Growing up, mental health was a taboo. Yeah. It was if you're not, if, if you show any kind of weakness or if you go to see, to talk to somebody about something, it even go to your school counsellor. In my school, we had a school counsellor. That was seen as a taboo. But I've seen that change now, especially like with my parents or their generation, where they're starting to understand mental health now mm. a bit more. Because probably they've been exposed to it with like the internet and how everything's more connected now. Well, I think that's the thing, right? I think everything has completely changed. Mm. And it's all around expectations, which I talk about a lot. Yeah. But I think the expectations that are on people, which therefore puts pressure on people, affects mental health. I also think we're putting all this information coming into our brain like never before. Yeah. Like a, and we're, no one's really looked at that. That's absolutely causing mental health issues for everyone yeah. from all ages as far as I can see, if they've opened the door on that. Yeah. You know, so if I was, when I was in my 20s, I don't, can't remember if we had the... We didn't it wasn't that long ago, Michelle, was it? <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. It might, it might have been that long ago. But there wasn't... Um, you know, there wasn't social media. There wasn't the internet like like there is today. There was nothing like that. We had like four channels on TV, and the news came on at the news time, which was six o'clock at night or something like that. So we weren't, we didn't just twenty four seven news is just one element of what's coming into your brain. Yeah. We and also there was no globalization as such. So I didn't or, or know about what was going on all around the world every day. Or, or in my speak or our speak, it's there was so much, there wasn't so much FOMO, fear of missing out of doing something. Well, it's not even. I mean, I could, I could give you an example. Yeah. Um, so, for example, um, as you know, and as we'll talk about, I run marathons and I do that in my spare time. Yeah. And in the I was speaking yesterday. I calculated in the past four years, I've travelled over eighty-five times. 
Yeah. To about 40 countries. Yeah. Now, I still, when I go and look at what other people are doing, and I try not to, or hear about what other people are doing, feel bad. And it's completely rational. Feel bad. As that I'm not currently traveling. That I'm you haven't cur- done, done I haven't done enough. And I'm thinking, hold on a minute. But I've spent what I've done the past four years. No, no, and everybody, anybody else that looks at you will think, "Oh, he's done he's, too he's much. Too much." I tried to stop you at yeah. fifty marathons. Yes. How but... many marathons have you done in total? Seventy-five now. Yeah, right. And let's go back to the mental health because yeah. I always thought that meant you were running away from something. I think it was masking over cracks in terms of how I was feeling within my life or within myself, in terms of. It's kind of like if I kept, if I felt, looking back in hindsight now, if I kept, if I kept, if I felt, if I kept moving forward, whatever I was running away from wasn't going to catch up with me. Yeah, of course. And eventually catches up with you. It as does, we know. but <laughs> but but on the good side, if you're going to get addicted to anything, you got addicted to something that was healthy at least. I mean, right? that's what my mum said. When at least yeah. it's a, it's an addiction where yes. you're traveling, you're meeting people, you're you're yeah. you're keeping fit, and you're raising money for charity. She's like, you're yeah. doing those things. Although you're still, she used to tell me, just stay one, stay a weekend at home, yeah. do nothing, lie down in yeah. bed. Yeah. But it was always felt for me. You couldn't stop. Not that I couldn't stop. There was many that I didn't that I cancelled or whichever. Yeah. But it always felt where I could that was a priority. The priority wasn't me. The priority was doing that. And, yeah. And whatever benefit I got from that was for me. Yeah. Yeah. So I could have traveled and chilled with friends for the weekend. Did you Did you also realize that, because everyone lives their life on social media, right? Yeah. Pretty much. So did you also realize that I've done, even when you get to the 50, right? So I've done 50 marathons. Look at this, you know, all around the world. This is exceptional. Not many people do anything like that. Did you hit that and then afterwards realize it didn't, still didn't change how people thought about me? Yeah, yeah, that's absolutely right. But what happened to me though as well was because I was running so many, I was meeting people who were running as many or more. Now, there weren't many who were doing uh-huh. at my age who were doing so. They're much older, doing at a slower yeah. pace. There were yeah. couples traveling together. Yeah, yeah. I'd always found, again, I was saying this yesterday to somebody, it felt that I had nobody to share it with. So I was doing it more for, as in get keep keep doing it, accumulate as many as you can, um, because I didn't want to sit with myself, I think, and just re- think, what is a normal life for me? Because I knew this was unsustainable. Yeah. And... You know, I, I, during the time I've been running from September 2015 until now, until last until this September, yeah, I'd had two major life what, relatively crises, yeah, and that you're faced with yourself. Mm. And the first time it happened, I used mm. the running to get through it, which I think was a good thing to do at the time. Yeah. The second time it happened, which was um, the summer, there was no running naturally because it was warmer. I don't tend to try and run during the summer. Hmm. So there was no running left to do. Yeah. There was no distraction. And yeah. you're just faced with whatever you are faced with. Yeah. And and you have to... It, it's so funny. It's almost like you get people who who are scared of being alone. Yeah. But but they live their life that actually makes them alone. Yes. It's a very... As, as, <laughs> as I always, also was pointed out to me, running, doing what I was doing is a very lonely sport in terms of even if somebody's traveling with you 
two things sometimes two three things actually tend to happen one it's all it's you go say you're in away for the weekend and somebody's mm. come to support you um it's about your it's about you that weekend's about your running yes so you naturally start feeling bad for the other person trying to accommodate what they want to do and it should go out of your way yeah um the second thing that happens is you're also not that focused on the run because you're also trying to focus on the other person or the other people with you um so you come away from that run feeling i didn't give it everything i could but you don't sit there and think but that that's okay because i was sharing it with somebody yeah. so you end up in a kind of a mixture of emotions yeah and at the end of it i remember when 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 um the first time somebody ever came to watch me run i felt before and after i felt great there was somebody to share it with yeah but during it felt like i had to isolate myself when i run Yeah. If that makes sense. It's like I I I can I can relate it to like a doctor performing surgery. There is no way while they're performing that surgery they can start thinking about anything else or anybody else while no, they're doing no, that. No, 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 no. Yeah. Now, for me when I'm running, I try and block the world out because that's the only place I found peace. Right, right. Okay. And that's a symptom of all the traveling and yeah. all the stuff because you're traveling you're you're trying to catch a flight you're trying to get to a hotel yeah. you're then in a city and you don't want it just to be about running so you're trying to see all the places go on walking tours meet some friends if they're there yeah. etc etc it's the only time i got peace was when i ran yeah for those three or four hours because ah that's very interesting because everything else around that run for you in a way was still trying to seek that approval yes it's all about but in the run You you're just doing it then. It's just me versus me, yeah. and it's how I feel, and everything's okay. Yeah. But the kicker, mm. and this is where it comes to the approval thing. Yeah. I've ran so many, and I've ran times I would never do again, um, which are actually semi-elite times at those stages, yeah. without you know as an amateur. But I always got to the point where I'd retrospectively justify my time. Or oh, retrospectively justify yeah. my performance. Yeah. Even though it doesn't matter to anybody except me. No, but no. I felt <laughs> like, oh, you know, if I'm going to slow down, it's not okay to slow down. There must be a reason for it. Mm. I've got to make sure there's a reason for it. Um, you know, if I'd stop to help somebody, I've got to tell somebody I stopped to help somebody. That's why I was slower. Yes. You know, yeah, it yeah, became yeah, yeah, yeah. it became that rather than I've ran it. Great. Yeah. Raising money for this charity. Yeah. Please support me if you can. It became about... I, I I sort of relate to that in a way because I'm such a an upbeat person generally. Yeah. If ever I'm not feeling good, I can't just not feel good. I have to tell everyone, oh, this is why. Yeah, <laughs> so exactly. it's sort of like, accept me. I'm sorry that I'm not, you know, the life of the party at the moment, yeah. but this is why. But that's, wow. I didn't allow myself to have an off day. No. And then, then what happened then was I'd be working during the week Traveling on a Friday, Saturday morning, yeah. Friday night, Saturday morning, yeah. putting myself under pressure. Yeah. Saturday, Sunday morning to get up early for the run, then during the run, then after the run. But so you never, I never really got any peace. But you, you, your marathon running. Yeah. When we've talked about it before, gave me the perfect analogy for millennials in the way they handle life. Remember? Yeah. Because one day I was just, my brain went bang, bang, bang. This lined it all up. And I was like, the way a marathon works Mm. is you've done all the training. Right at the beginning, you're feeling really good, right? Yeah. 
feeling good. There's a great atmosphere around. So it was a personal best run. Yeah, but there's people. Yeah, yeah, but you're feeling good. And the fun parts of the beginning, really, because there's people cheering yeah. you on. There's lots of atmosphere. And normally you sort of start reasonably slow. Yeah. Right. That's how you start a marathon because you've got a long way to go. Yeah. Right. What I, my analogy was: millennials get to the start line and sprint. Yep. And they sprint and they hit 30 and they've crashed. <laughs> yes. I'll, I'll, but I'll caveat that very slightly. Okay. Un- unless you accept, as in my early running, yeah, you run as quick as you can for as long as you can, then it's okay to slow down. If you if you have that mentality, then that, it's not as bad because you're but, accepting but that you're no, going to no, slow no, down. No, 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 but I'll tell you why it's bad. And this is purely my view on yeah. life. The reason why it's bad is because you've missed the fucking fun. <laughs> True. Life life will throw shit at you left, right and centre all the way through. Mm. Have the fun. Take the fun when it's there. Don't, because you can't go, oh, shit, I missed the fun at the beginning. I've missed that good feeling. You can't go back and get it. Yeah. You've missed it. Yeah, you're right. I take that. You're right. I mean, you've missed it. You that, can... And that's what I think is happening with millennials, because you're trying too hard to prove to everybody that you're good enough and that you're successful enough because the expectations on you guys are so ridiculously high Yeah, that you never feel like you've met them. But a lot of those expectations, I can use the running analogy, are self... I don't think are they self, are. But I, I think... Uh, hear me through. You can have... Are, self, can are, se- are self-inflicted as well. Like, I'll give you an example with the running. Th- in my view, there are three types of runners. There's a ra- somebody who races, somebody who competes, somebody who completes. Now, if you're going to race, you're going to race as run as fast as you can mm. to get to the position you can. If yeah. you're going to compete, you're going to compete with yourself with a certain time yeah. or a certain group or a certain person. Complete is just you're going to complete it. Yeah. And the, the issue, at least I had, I've raced and I'm not going to race again anytime soon. Mm. When you get between competing and completing, yeah. You can. You, I find myself never being able to make the decision before I start, and I think that's the point you're making. Mm. Before I start, if I start thinking I'm just going to complete it, yeah. whether I run it, whether I walk it, I want to enjoy it today, etc., yeah, yeah, etc. Yeah. Et yeah. Fine. If I if I start, I want to compete it, then I've accepted that I'm not going to enjoy it as much, and why not enjoy it at all, yeah. just this once. Yeah. But I find myself I never be able to make that decision before I start running. Why? I don't know. That's that. I, I don't know. Is it because if you just complete it, it's not as good a story that you that you want to tell? Yes, but also it doesn't doesn't feel like it's a good a feeling as it would be if I competed. Because I so can, this is how it feels at the end. I think it's looking. I think if you if you if you're if you have other stuff that you're not aware of or you're running away from, that's mm. why I'm looking back retrospect. In, in yeah. retrospect, yeah, you're looking for a fight. Yeah, now, yeah. You don't want to fight with people at work. You don't want to fight with family. No. You can fight with yourself. Yeah. And yeah. part of fighting is competing. You know when people overexert themselves. Well, it's sort of like punishing yourself. Yes. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's lack of so self care. People can do it in different ways. Like people can. Can get really overweight, or people can get anorexic, yes. or the yeah. people can overexercise, yeah. or yeah. But in a way, you're sort of punishing your body because you're punishing yourself for some reason. Yeah. Which normally has nothing to do with yeah. you in a way. Or, you know what I mean? I mean, I've come to accept whether I've run one mm. or 75, I would be perceived 
know differently. Yes. Right? Yes. Um, I've come <laughs> to accept that. that's the shock. That's why, I've, yeah, I've come to accept that, whether positively or negatively or in a neutral way. Um, you know, I am who I am, and who Akron was happened to have done these things rather than define yeah. who I am. However, when you've done something for so long, yes, you tend to think it defines you. Yes. And, you know, like I haven't, I've cancelled all my marathons from September, from end of September till now. I would, I should have ran four or five now, yeah. as I did this time last year. Um, am I perceived, or do I perceive myself any less? No. No. Do I feel bad sometimes? Like, oh, I could have gone, sure, but that's natural. But then I look at what I've done in these weekends, and the people, yeah. and I've looked after myself. I'm much more relaxed. I've got instead of running a marathon, I've had massages. I've looked after my body. I've seen my loved ones. Yeah. But the people that care about you. Yeah. I mean, this is the interesting thing in a way. It's quite interesting area you've stepped into here, is that sometimes we do things because we want we're trying to create this personality that we want everyone to love right mm -hmm. so it can be in your career you can do that as well you know like like this is where i am i'm in this successful role or something now i'll have everyone's approval because i've made it here um and what happens is it actually doesn't change how people really feel about you and if you think about what you like about people you would understand why it doesn't change that mm -hmm. you know but the, so in a way you sort of think well that's a bit disappointing I did all this hard work and I'm still not treated as different let's just yeah. say different right but in later on what you realize is actually that's a benefit because when you crash and burn or something doesn't work those people who loved you before still love you yeah. you know and they are there no matter what right so they're they don't care if you ran marathons or you didn't, because it's who you are as a person, you know. Like and so, and it's quite funny because you sort of set the standard high for yourself, because you're already an overachiever. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, I guess. No, but you absolutely were right. And so when I would see things that you were doing at the marathon, like you helped some guy who fell over, or you'd always do things like that, help other people. Mm. That's just who you are. Like, I'm, I wasn't surprised by that. And and in a way, so then you might think I'm not impressed by that. But I was always, but you're my friend because you are like that. Yeah. And that's, you know, and, that's and the, I have high standards. Right? And, that, and that's the bit you miss. So yes. I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pause here because my pet, hey, when I listen to some of these podcasts, nobody sees the background. So forget the background. Okay. <laughs> so background is I Bloody met critic. Michelle back in 2007. Back in the day when yeah. she was kind of my boss when I was a student ambassador. And, As if anyone's ever his boss. And the first thing I said to Michelle was, oh, you're director of so-and-so. Shouldn't you be in the office? Yeah. And since then we hit it off. Yeah. Uh, I, did I slap you? Or? You metaphorically slapped me. Yes. Exactly. Um, <laughs> and I remember how me and Michelle became friends was I think one day she'd asked me to borrow a calculator. And I remember this. And I and I said and, and I said sure. And she said, "Do you want any money for it?" I was like, "Don't be silly." And I think we went off. We started from there. Why would I? Yeah. Because you thought you because I gave him my calendar. Keep it. Oh, and you're right, like, I'm like, right. no. Oh, I'm like, right. it's just okay. a calculator. Don't worry about it. It's not the end of the world. <laughs> um, background to running was I. And you, excuse me, that was a really shit background. But that's what the that's that's this, what all I have to no, give. No, no, no. <laughs> this 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 young man was the type of guy that. 
If he was in the room, he wanted the attention. Fuck everyone else. Uh-huh. <laughs> right? It's like, sure. Akram's here. Everyone needs to know that. And then you wanted the attention. So. That's your version. Yeah. It's the truth. <laughs> it's the truth. I will neither confirm nor deny. But, um, I, but I like people that are... I like people that are straight up, know know who they are, know what they want in life, and you always had that. So that I was interested in. I had a in. bit of guidance from yourself and other people on the way, but well, for the most part, we got Well, slapped you around there. a bit. I've yeah. got to stop saying that because people probably think I'm physically violent. Metaphor- metaphorically, metaphorically. Sometimes. And the background to the running was <laughs> I've always been sporty in a sense. I take part in lots of sports, football or soccer, whatever you call it, tennis, mm. rock climbing. Running was never something I enjoyed doing. Um, and then I injured my back in 2014 pretty seriously. Um, and from then, I think the only thing I thought I could do was run, which I did. And I think that fell into things where it was my only escape. Forrest Gump. Forrest Gump. And <laughs> I ran my first one in 2015, um, mm. almost fell into it by accident. And then I suddenly came over with this, it was just a euphoria. It was, mm. this is great because you're, you're running but you're also getting all this approval from random strangers. I mean, when I ran, it was Berlin. It was one of the big ones. Yeah, yeah. Full of people. And the feeling you get when you run, it feels like you're like a superhero. Or like, you know, you can't do anything wrong. You're running. And all these people there are thinking... Is that why you wear the Captain America outfit? No. The Captain America <laughs> outfit was... It was, it was just something left over from Halloween four years ago, three years ago, yeah. which I've utilized since. But <laughs> it just became a thing where... You wow. felt great. And I remember the first marathon where there wasn't any spectators. Ah, right. That was tough. It was yeah. the second one I ran. Yeah. It was the second one I ran. And funny enough, the second one I ran, I did not enjoy as much. There were hardly any spectators. It was in Tunis. Yeah. I ran my quickest ever marathon. Wow. Ever. Because you just wanted to get out of it. I don't want to, Honestly, it, yeah. it, was just, it was just a run. Yeah. All the way to the, to the halfway and then back the same way. Yeah. Hardly anyone in sight. Oh, wow. So you're like, this is not what I was used to. It's not, yeah, you, I kind of thought, this is not what I signed attention? up to. Yeah. Exactly. But I forced <laughs> Where myself. Where are my fans? I ran through it. Yeah, yeah. And the correlation was that you want, I want to get it done as quick as possible. But then I think what ended up happening was life was happening through that, all the difficulties of life. Mm. And the escape was, because it also got you away from home relatively easily. Yeah. Go run. So let's link this back to mental health. Yes. Because... Whenever anyone's got anxiety or any issues with their mental health... We call it fear, not anxiety. Okay. Anxiety doesn't exist. It's fear. Okay, fear. Then I agree with that. Then what people do is, you know, exercise is always a a great recommendation for people. Yeah. Because it absolutely helps. Yeah. It helps more. I've seen it help a lot of people. But it just makes people feel stronger within themselves. And if you're exercising hard enough, you can't think about anything else. Yes, <laughs> and, yeah, yes and no. Yeah. Yes and no. When I went through difficulties this summer, I stopped exercising. Yeah. I stopped putting all that crap I used to put into my body, gels and stuff. So my body was used to taking all these gels and caffeine and gels. exercising, energy gels when you run, oh, right. magnesium, oh. all that stuff stopped. Yeah. Because I just realized that exercise wasn't making me happy. Yeah. It was a means to an end. 
Now you end up in a vicious circle because endorphins from exercise help you mentally. Yes. It helps you feel like you've yeah. done something. But at the time when you feel bad, the last thing you want to do is to go do something, which essentially you feel just killing time. Yeah. Until you think you're going to feel better. Yeah. So you put this expectation on the exercise itself, yeah. <laughs> which then you don't want to do. No. And nothing makes you happy. No. Like, you know what I mean? It's not... A lot of people get into relationships and they want the relationship to fulfill them and make them happy. You have to be happy within yourself. And like, I've, I've got a personality, I've been happy my whole life until, you know, mm. I had my own traumatic shit go down. Yeah. And then I was very sad for a long time. And that, I didn't know how to deal with that because it was completely, I'm thinking, if I was one of those miserable people, they must find it easier. Like I couldn't deal with myself being sad. I didn't yeah. know how to handle it, how to deal with it, how to. Did you feel shamed? Did you feel ashamed oh, that absolutely. you were sad? Yeah, it's shame based. Yeah, um, I felt ashamed. I felt, you know. You felt it wasn't okay to be sad. Definitely. Well, I didn't like it, right? Because I'm not naturally, I'm naturally up. Mm. I, I wake up and I'm in, in a good mood. I'm, mm. I get up early and I go. Yeah. And I like life and I like challenges and that's who I am. And I'm also future looking. Because of what happened to me sort of took away my vision of the future and all sorts of stuff. So I, I just lost all of that. And I'd wake up sad and it's very hard when you wake up sad. And lost. And lost, completely lost. Lost, yeah. No, I know the feeling. Um, yeah. You just you wake up, and if you sit, if you wake up rationally, and think and take stock, you do, you almost don't want to do it because you realise that relative my life relative to other people in a much worse situation is actually pretty good. Yes. You just have had a setback. You almost don't want to do that because you you actually want to feel bad because it's the only thing you can you have no control. The only thing you, could, you can control is how you, in a way, yeah. how you make yourself feel. Well, I've listened to something that talks about emotions, that we think emotions control us, but we can actually control emotions. Yeah. it's, all, it's yeah. We sort of, you know, bring it on ourselves in a way. But I agree with that. But I think it's um, the whole trying to be happy thing, it's about, it's about doing, you have to do things that, sort of distract you because with mental health a lot of people talk about meditation and you know spending time relaxing and doing nothing and trying to go completely still and silent that doesn't work for me as an extrovert I can do that a little bit I can actually sit and meditate um, what I found for me because um, sometimes I think it's easier if you get out of your head I think with what's going on now, there's too many people telling us how to live our lives. So we're always trying to try something new every single bloody day. And it's all about ourselves. When instead, if we can distract ourselves and think about other people. Yeah, but I think, I think Michelle, I will slightly disagree with that. I think you've, 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 jumped, the, you've jumped the step. So we're so, at the moment, where everyone's so engulfed in themselves and... Mm thinking too much and thinking I want to be happy all the time. I yeah. think what medit the meditation stuff that's out there at the moment is just to break that cycle, yeah. break the thought process, to be like, just don't think about anything. 
rather than and then the next step is once you've done that and you're comfortable then think about other people while your other while your stuff's in the background I think it's difficult to jump like when I was going through a process what you said to me was yeah Akram go do work for a charity go do work for this and I used to say mm. to you well that's all well and good but if I can't help myself right now how can I help somebody else it's yeah that's it's I, the jump it's it, it's it's absolutely the right thing to do but I think there needs to be a step in between I think it depends on the person okay because I think everybody's different I think some people need to to stop and concentrate on themselves right yeah if you're the type of person who a lot of people spend a lot of time in their own head and concentrate quite a bit on themselves yeah. And I've always been jealous of those people in a way because they're normally always a lot fitter than I am and a lot thinner and look after themselves because they prioritise themselves. But actually when I'm more fulfilled as a person is when I'm with with other people and spending time, like I'm doing this sort of thing, when I'm with other people and helping them, that's when I feel really good. So it's not about me. So when it comes to me being down, if I am have to sit there and focus on myself or... Uh, it's it's not a, a not easy place for me to be, if that makes sense. But how much is helping other people, or being around other people in a way, a distraction versus actually helping you? No, I think it's because I'm an extrovert and I get my energy from other okay. people. If you're an introvert, you don't you have to you need time by yourself. So you got to really know that. But if you're an extrovert. Time by yourself is like being in solitary confinement. <laughs> like it's horrendous. It's, I mean, you need some every now and then. But generally, you, you know, I get my energy when I've got people around. Yeah. So I need to tap, fill up on energy, and then I go and give it out. But if I'm by myself a lot, which sort of is what happened to me, then I lose my energy. I'm like a flower without water. But then you, you, the onus then is to find a way to get energy from yeah. within or from things that you do yourself. But I can't just become an introvert. Because I, I, that's, I'm, I'm not an introvert to a certain extent. Oh, I have introvert tendencies. Yeah. But, or introverted tendencies, is that the right phrase? Yeah. But I went through a similar process where I was always out, always during a week out after work, Weekends packed with doing stuff, yeah. seeing friends, running marathons. So there was not a point where anything came from me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That kept me going. Not necessarily happy, but that kept me going. No. Um, because even the things I was doing myself, the reasons or the motivation for, yeah. I couldn't honestly sit and say were just for my fulfillment. No, exactly. But also, you, that's you were in an extreme state, in a way. Yeah. Right. You were just trying to make time go fast in a way or be busy all the time and lots of people do that they fill their whole lives up and they don't have any time at all and that's sort of well, going back to I remember it was on your early podcast about milestones um, one of the guests mentioned milestones and milestones you had to hit at certain yeah. ages etc well that's also what happened to me right it was trying to hit milestones got a, got a job that I enjoyed doing um, you know, bought a property, bought a car. Um, what's the next milestone? Yeah. And then through, through, it was never a plan. My plan was to run one marathon. Suddenly, out of nowhere, it became 105 years. I don't know where that came from. <laughs> 
But that's how it that's how it happened, right? Yeah. And it didn't any I think it happened organically rather than yeah. a plan. Yeah. And I think it was trying to make me feel there's a mile something I'm working towards. Yeah. Because I didn't feel it was enough to just do what I enjoyed doing when I wanted to do it. Oh well, and also for your generation, it's not enough just to have a job. No. Nope. It's not enough to just get up, have a job. And have a, a relationship or whatever, right? That's not enough. You have to have extracurriculars. They can tell everyone about you. Yeah. <laughs> no, let's be honest. Let's be honest. That's how what it is. You have to. T- if if your weekend is just, I sat at home and chilled and watched TV and watched a film. Now I've come to accept that's a great weekend. Yeah, yeah. I used to think no, I've but, wasted time and that's not a cool weekend. That's not a good weekend. I've got to be out. I've got to do all these things. Mm. And as your means, as my means increased and as my outlook increased, it stopped from going out to see friends or going to see a film or going to this museum. It became travel here, see this. And when you're there, make sure you do this and that. It became a tick list. It is a tick list. And I think I realized the moment, one of the reasons I canceled all these ones recently was I was just not enjoying it anymore. Yeah. When you travel and you're looking forward to sleeping in the hotel while you're traveling, Yeah. that's not a good sign. No. <laughs> Especially just for no, two days. That's you, not a good sign. You have traveled a, a lot. But it's not a good sign. It's you know, definitely I, not I'm a good traveling sign. to sleep <laughs> rather than <laughs> I'll just stay at home and sleep. You just stay at home and sleep, exactly. But I think um, work's very different for millennials, again, than Gen X and baby boomers. We didn't, the pressure's... It wasn't a global um, environment, mm. so the competition wasn't there. Competition is insane now. Yes. Companies move very fast, and it's all about money, 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 money. In one of the podcasts where I interviewed Jan, and she's talking about when years ago when her husband cheated on her, and his boss found out and he lost his job. Mm. Can you imagine that? Like that, they were companies that had family values. They weren't companies that were just trying to burn people out and make profit, profit, profit. (laughs) One thing that I learned recently, it was made clear to me recently, was I class myself as a millennial. um, Well, you are. And um, (laughs) the way we're brought up is if you were brought up as if it's a meritocracy. Yes. We're not brought up with the soft skills of, it can be a meritocracy, but if you can't form functional relationships yes. in the workplace, yes. you're not going to go very far, even if you're the best. And then what happens then yes. is you get sad or annoyed or angry or feel as if you've been wronged and it's unfair because you're transposing those values onto a corporation, A, which doesn't work, and or onto other people. Yeah. Which is which is unfair as well to other people because not everyone has the same values. Yeah, um, and we're not ever brought up to, we're brought up as in I was brought up or my generation was brought up to. It's not okay to be vulnerable, but we were also weren't taught. We're taught. We're, sorry, let me rephrase that. We were we were kind of taught it's not okay to be vulnerable. Yeah. to be strong, but we're also we were also but we also weren't taught at the same time to how to protect ourselves from becoming vulnerable. Well, you also weren't, you weren't given the truth. No. Right? Because what you were given, and we're still doing this, which is, <laughs> someone needs to stop yeah. it. What you were told is, it was like utopia out there or something. It's sort of like, if you do this, 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 and this, the world is your oyster. That's fucking bullshit. Because <laughs> there's people out there who have egos, 
There's people yeah. who have personality disorders. Yeah. Yeah. There's people that are just assholes. There are people that are really nice or really soft or all sorts of things. And when you go into the workplace, you're going to come across so many different types of people. I mean, I mean, I I also I use an analogy. It's a fish analogy. Um, a fish analogy. A, a fish analogy. Okay. So. I've seen children being uh, being I mean treated as first you're a fish in a bowl, small little bowl, you're the only fish. Yeah. Then you're in a fish tank, whether it's more siblings or you're in school. Yeah. Then you're a fish in a pond. That's yeah. when off you off to university yeah. and whatever. You know you're a big fish in a pond. Yeah. You're still that big fish. Yeah. You're taught you're the big fish. Yeah. You're in a pond with other big fish, that's still okay, but nobody prepares you for being that big fish in the massive ocean when you become a little fish yeah yeah yeah. and there's other whales out there there's other crabs there's well, loads of things out there this is because you didn't like and we did get prepared for that in a way because we were told that we weren't really anything like you know we never felt like we were special so we thought we would have to go to work and do what we're told and show respect and we knew we were a little bloody fish starting and mm. you guys had the opposite because we had the opposite i caught up with my old boss today mm. amazing woman and she was saying when she's when she went to school because she came from a little village and she was like the best student in the little village mm -hmm. and when she was ready to go off to university her mother sat her down and said you will not be the best one there you'll probably fail in this subject you'll probably come lower down in this one and there'll be a lot of people you will not be leading that i think it was actually school not university I mean, you it, won't be the head girl but it happens everywhere michelle remember yeah now 10 years ago actually when i went to do my masters remember yes and i went from you know achieving quite well at my first university um and you know being top 10 in my year yeah Suddenly go do my master somewhere else, and you've learned somewhere else. It was Cambridge. It Are we mentioning names? Else. Are we mentioning We're names? Mentioning names. <laughs> and you realised because you, you could know. be top ten where you were. Yeah, you're nowhere near top ten here, and that is a humbling experience. You're still good enough to be here. Yeah, but you're not. Don't be under any illusions that you're going to be top ten. No, no, or top no. twenty or top fifty. Well, just the fact that you get into Cambridge yeah. should be enough. But but but, <laughs> but you, if if you're not brought up that way yes. you're not being subjected this, to that you this think this is where parents have gone wrong and nobody look like i keep saying i would have been exactly the same yeah. but we have to change it now because it's hurting too many people yeah. so i don't care if i'm annoying people by sort of saying that but they have to stop telling kids that they can do anything that they want because they bloody can't. But, but how, how, how do you do that? So, for example, what now I'm at, I, I, I'm, at, well, I'm at a new job, which I started well, to recently. Me. My education within these people doesn't count for anything. Yeah, no. What I produce yes. counts. But yes. how do you go to kids and say to them, we want you to work hard, we want you to get an education, we want you to be the best you can to get the opportunity to get the best, be in, do the be, do do what you want and enter the workforce, but then say, well, none of that's really going to count once you're in. But it's not that it doesn't count because it got you in, right? Yeah. And the key word was opportunity. Yeah. Because what happened was you didn't realize that you're sort of starting again every time. Like when you got to Cambridge, it was like starting again, right? But well, you didn't realize that at the time. No. You thought but it was a continuation. You, look, 
you know, if I've come off the back of an extremely successful role into another job, I still have to start again. Yeah. Even at my age, I have to prove myself again and again and again. Yeah. And you're right, maybe that's a big gap in life that no one tells you. You have to start again. But of course, if you go into a job though, you're doing something you haven't done before. What makes you think you can walk in and it's Be easy? Because you've never had to start again with your loved ones. You've never, that's very you've, ne different. you've never had to start again with your parents. But you've never had to, in, in a way, you've never, no matter what's gone wrong or what you've done wrong, you've never, we've never been taught or shown that you had to start again because it's impossible. You can't erase what you've done over but, the past 20 years. But the, the problem is you guys have a very confused view of what work is. Oh yeah. <laughs> because yeah. work is fucking work. You get paid for it. You get paid to turn up by people who have given you an opportunity, are willing to take money out of their business, put it in your pocket for something that you do. And we're there to, to basically A, produce b make their life easier hence that's why we're given the job because they don't have time to do it or they yeah. have, want to do something else make their lives easier but you learn this on the go and that and this is one thing i've learned throughout my relatively short career at the moment is everyone is your internal clients if it's your colleague if it's your if it's somebody junior to you if it's somebody a senior to you they're all yeah, your yeah. clients in the sense that in any in any in any profession in the sense that you've always have to do the best and you always have to make sure that you're producing something that is yeah. useful. You've got to you've got to have, be, have something of value. Yes, you've got to bring yeah. value to the table. Yeah, right. That's what you're getting paid for. Yeah. is the value you bring in. The thing is, what you're saying is very good to look at it as clients. That. The thing is, relationships are really important, mm -hmm. and it comes down to that's how you build your integrity. Yeah. Because if you treat other people with respect, they'll treat you with respect. Because the, the trick is, you've got to always get into your head when you're working um, that you'll never know what your boss knows. You think you do. I've had people um, chaperone not chaperone what do you call it when you follow someone around shadowing shadowing in a, in a, in a non-dodgy way <laughs> i've had some i've had people shadow me in in roles to see what it was like in these leadership roles and they were always really shocked because they from the out what they only see from their perspective they see what the boss does in relation to them they don't see everything else that the boss has to do like one thing that bosses have to do that people, that no one teaches you in any leadership training, is they have to deal with people, people who have issues. You have a, a team of say 30 people. In that 30 people, how many of them have sick family members? How many of them have relationships with issues or, or family members with relationship issues or anything like this is just human stuff every single one of them and let me tell you every single one of them wants a pay rise hmm. every single one of them thinks that they they're not being given the opportunities that they should be getting right so as a boss you're dealing with that every day let alone the work and i'll tell you what our generation does doesn't do very well 
is respect the fact you're not entitled to know everything. Yes. Like there were times when my bosses would make decisions. Yeah. And I'd think, well, if only if you looked me in, I yeah. would have understood why you did it. Yeah, of course. But I'm not. But that, that's not. And that's not a right. No, of, of course mine. it's not a right. But exactly. our generation doesn't think that because no, you we, think everything's your right. We, we think that that's fair. But why didn't you tell me? But he's your boss or she's your why boss. Why do we have to? You tell don't you? have to tell you. You just got to follow instructions. No, no. But you know what? You, the older people and the bosses are, are dying for the time when you get into that role and then you see what it's really like. Yeah. Because it's a bit like getting older. I don't worry about getting older because all the everyone, young people, you're gonna, they're all, everyone's going to age. It's what we do as humans. Mm. But when you become a boss and all of a sudden you've got these young people coming in telling you how to do the job and they think like, well, hello, I've, I'm just out of uni, I'm here, what? what? Oh, like when somebody says to you, your director <laughs> should be in your office. Oh, yeah. But that's, as I did. But the thing is, right, the difference is if you come across somebody who's confident in what they do they can take that shit yeah exactly. right yeah but there's a lot of people who aren't confident mm. and so if you if you're being like that they'll just try and bury you yeah and this is why i try and give some advice to millennials is because a lot of bosses aren't confident and they rule by fear you know they like you to be scared and if you're scared it makes them more powerful yeah i don't think that's a good leadership style but it's absolutely out there Right, and, and and it works in the short term. Yeah, but then what? Because the way they see it is, that the, uh, 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 millennials junior levels, it's like a revolving door. They don't care. Well, it shouldn't be yeah. a revolving door, but, but it is. Yes, yeah, they right? don't care. I think it all comes down to not, at least in my view. I'm, I'm looking at it when I started on early on in my career and how I used to think and how yeah. things should be done. And, yeah. and I never went and said anything to my boss in that sense, but I used to have thoughts and thinking, well, why are they doing it this way? Yeah. Why are they doing it that way? That doesn't make sense. But then you come to realize that, A, why are you even getting involved in all, in even thinking about it? Yeah. When, you know, it's 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 got it's got nothing to do with you in a way. It's like, you know, I understand how people think about corporations and their values and what they do, but if you're hired to do a job, a defined role, yeah, and do that well first. Do that well first. Yes. And if you do that well, believe me, you will get to a position where you have a say yes. in everything else. That's right. And if you, you're right, they're skipping that. Part. They're skipping that part because <laughs> they're like, I want to know. I, I'm like, I, I know somebody who says it would say to me, I'm uncomfortable walking, working for a corporation that does X. That's fair. <laughs> Go work for somewhere else. Yeah. But if you want to come in and then change the corporation yeah. at your level, yeah, yeah. well, I'd say fine, but have a long-term <laughs> view. Yeah. Do your job well. Get to a position where you can influence that. Of course. Uh, but also, look, it's good that you you think bigger. I, I don't ever want people to not think bigger and think that they can't do it better, right? There's always ways... That you can bring in new knowledge, you can make changes, and you know. But without a chip on your shoulder. Yeah. Millennials, including my, I call, I call myself a millennial. Yeah. When we come into the workforce, it's almost as if we have a chip on our shoulder. It's almost yeah, as if yeah, we do. Yeah. It's almost as if we have a grievance somewhere in the world, mm. and we finally found a place where we can actually say some, or found found an audience of people who think matter. Because one you sorry, go on, Michelle. No, I was just going to say, I think it's because you guys have been, there's so much media out out there sort of 
putting generations against each other. Yeah. Right? And I think that's part of it. So you walk in and already you feel like they're, the, they're your enemy. <laughs> you know, or there's a battle. And well, there we, shouldn't we be. We also tend to do that at home. Um, forget the teen years where we're teenagers and thinking yeah. everything. Once we get to our early 20s or early 30s, mm. how often, and you sometimes have to pinch yourself, how often do you think your parents are talking rubbish? Yeah, yeah. Even about stuff that they know yeah. about and been doing for 40, 50 years. Of course. And you've come in doing a completely that's different just, role. That's just youth, right? So I think... But we're transposing that to the, into the workplace. I know. I know. And we've never... Like, someone told me that my generation, which is probably hard to believe because I'm in it, is the, the silent generation. They say every second generation is the loud generation. My, my generation was the silent generation X. We just got in and did stuff. Um, but, because but no one talked about us. But because your generation had nothing. Yeah. Our generation. Yeah. It's, it's like... It's given like, everything. I mean, I mean, it's a simple analogy, isn't it? Yeah. If you have no job... Yeah. And you get a job. Yeah. You're like, fantastic. This job's great. Yeah. Um, this is what I want to do. Yeah. Even if I want to do long term, it's great. I'm earning money. I'm doing something and progressing. If you're already in a job yeah. and you're looking to move, mm. your perspective's different. Yeah. And where our generation is in that middle yeah. where we have enough things, we've been looked after, we can almost pick and choose. Because we've seen it with other people, like, you know, other corporations, people being young and becoming millionaires and influencing the world, yeah. like your Facebooks and all that kind of stuff, yeah, yeah. we think we can do it too. Yeah, yeah, sure. But I don't yeah. think we can. No, because <laughs> the weird thing is you're supposed to be smarter, but also dumber at the same time, because if you if you realise how many people have actually been that successful, it's not that many. Not that many. And we're naive. It's, yeah, yeah. We're extremely naive. Well, it's... You're setting yourself up for failure because it's again, it's those expectations are ridiculously high. Yeah, you know, and, and everyone thinks that they can. But also, the problem is everyone's heading off towards those expectations. Or, but they, it's not necessarily what they want. They're all heading for it. Like, I've got to achieve, 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 achieve. I've got to travel the world. I've got to do this. I've got to wear this, look like this. I've got to have. I've got to be the best of everything. But they haven't stopped to go. Why? And actually, who am I? And what do I really want in life? And what's an ideal life for me? Yeah. Yeah, because for some people, for me, I love traveling for work. and I love traveling anyhow, meeting new people and finding myself in different environments, mm. finding myself on the side of the road eating um, hummus and baba ganoush and Jordan. Yeah. Not far from the bloody war zone. I didn't even realize that, yeah. you know, this is a work thing and just having fresh bread out of this area, I wouldn't have even stepped out of the van to get and it's like like i love that sort of stuff mm. but other people love having a home and having a garden and their family and a and dog pets and like just being out have a really nice life yeah but i think you've got to go back to who you are and what you really want in life mm. and and stop before you even get into this mad crazy race stop and go who am i what what makes me feel good in life? When am I at my happiest? When do when do I feel strong? And you know, what makes me do that? And yeah. then you sort of start to get a better direction of where yeah. you need to go in your I life. Mean, bringing it back to as we start with the running, I feel great when 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 I wasn't doing it so compulsively. Yes. Like when I ran London, my home one, oh. or 
I'd feel great in that sense because I'd feel fulfilled. I'd done it for the right reasons. I'd, I'd done it with my, my, there would be my family and my friends around. It wasn't an escape because I was home. Yes, yeah. So that element wasn't there. Yeah. You know? um, but, really, but the difficulty, I think, and I'm just playing devil's advocate here, is if you're asking somebody to understand why they're going, they want to do something, or are currently doing something, it's very difficult because we're looking at this in retrospect, really. It's very difficult to look forward and without trying and failing. And the problem with our generation is we're not very good at admitting when we're failing. Oh, no, no, you can't. We are terrified to admit I tried this and failed. Go look at Instagram or Facebook of some of our friends. When's the last time somebody put up a post? Oh, I tried, but I failed. Yeah, yeah. As I was telling you earlier, um, but when people, I was running a slower time, yeah. there were points until I got I got I, I got myself out of it where I couldn't even admit to myself that you just couldn't perform today. Yeah, yeah. Aside from the question, should you be performing because you've run couldn't so many? Make, couldn't I, let yourself know that I couldn't let myself anyone down. else. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and I'm thinking, and you just have this, but also you're trying to give yourself importance. By thinking, this was yeah, something that's inflicted. Yeah, yeah. By thinking that people yeah. will want you to do a certain time, because it gives you that importance of, yeah. you know, I don't want to let them down. Oh, they're counting on me. People care. Yeah, it's yeah. all in your head. It's all a world yeah, in your yeah, head. Yeah, yeah, it's all in. Because it's all said and done. If you don't post about it, but also people, most don't even know you're doing it. But what you, what everyone's fundamentally forgotten is what people actually like in other people. You think about your friends and the people you really care about. What you actually like in them, it's not their perfection. We as a race, a race, like a species, I was always is what I mean. We hate perfection. Yeah. We hate perfection. So if people are standing, and especially if it's fake perfection, yeah. Jesus. But if we're standing there and we're all just trying to be perfect, people hate that. They run away from that. So the day that you can, I'm trying to remember when I started to realize when I could just own it, when I could just take ownership of whatever was going on, sometimes whether I did it or not. But then it became funny for me in a way. Like, and then I started to realize people like me better like that. They do like, like when you're, when you're, everything's going well and you're killing it, people are trying to pull you down. Let me tell you, they spend all their time, anyone that gets successful, Everyone just tries to pull them down. So the more successful you try and get, the more perfect you try and get, you're just dragging more people to you to try and pull you down. They don't like it. It's I mean, not, I don't want people to not become successful because of that. But you've got to be aware that that's what's going to happen. Yeah, I mean, you said it earlier. How many of your friends, how many people should ask themselves, if all, if, if all I could offer is... The version of me that goes to work, comes home, is pleasant to be around. Yeah. Um, is there when they need you? Or um, how many of your friends is that okay? How, how many? How many? How many of your friends would think that's okay, and yeah. that's good, yeah. and then they've got a good friend? Yeah. Um, you but, know. but you're still more than that, right? Yeah, I'm just, I, I just stripped it down to bare basics, right? Yeah. To very bare basics. That somebody who goes, you know, whenever you meet up with them, all they yeah. can talk about is 
well, this is what happened at work, and this is what I did at the weekend. Very, you know, I, I spent time with my family, went for a run, went for a bike ride, watched a film on TV. Is that enough yeah. for them? And if you really think about it, that's enough for probably 97% of your friends. Well, of course or it's 99% enough. Or 99% of them. Because for a start, people love it when you ask about them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if we spent more time asking about other people, then developing our story that we have to tell, we'd have a lot more friends and they'd want to be around us more. But from a mental health aspect, since it's about mental health, the reason, and I found myself sometimes doing it, the reason why I talk at someone yeah. and not ask them is because I'm terrified of them asking me a similar question. Right. Which would bring out the stuff I'm hiding or don't want to deal yeah, with. So, so you do it as, that's interesting. It's a defense mechanism. So, for example, Michelle, if I yeah. saw you and went, I mean, I, when, I saw, when, I came to, when I saw you yeah. on Friday, yeah. I didn't stop talking for about 20 minutes. Yeah. Even though you knew a lot was going on in my life, I fronted it. <laughs> I fronted it. Yeah. Because. <laughs> Z did the same thing yeah, yesterday. Yeah, I, f <laughs> I fronted it with everything yeah. because wow. in a way, it's, it was a way of controlling the narrative. That's Even you do it with your friends, you do it yeah. with your family, you front it because you would have answered the question anyway, but I would have been in control on what question I'm answering. Yeah, yeah. But if I'd asked you, so how are things, Michelle? Yeah. You would have told me. Yeah. And then you would have felt the permission because I'd, I'd asked that question to ask yeah. me the same question. Yeah, yeah. And if I'm being genuine and honest, I'm going to have to answer, right? So you're doing it to control the narrative. Yes. Well, yes. A lot, I mean, at least I find myself doing it. That's very interesting. Yeah. So when you look at other people, when they don't ask about you, yeah. I've started to look in and think, okay, I understand that. You're talking about you because you're trying to control the narrative. Mm. That, that, because you're pretty, terrified of what I'm going to ask you. Which is, that's pretty deep. That's pretty deep. Because so it's, it's not self-absorbed in a way. It's more of some, some people are self-absorbed, but yeah. I find it mostly it's a defense mechanism. Okay, so but that's interesting because for me, I keep thinking that for millennials, they're always trying to do a sales pitch. You know, it's always like this is, and everybody does a, a sales pitch on their life to a degree, right? Because you want to you want to tell the good parts about what's going on or something, but they're um. They're always selling themselves. They're selling themselves on social media. They're selling themselves. Because they think the bad stuff isn't worthy and is a burden on the friend or on the people. It's okay to try and fail and it's okay to be honest about it. It's it definitely just... okay to, to trial and fail. Like you learn so much by failing. But talking about it, not feeling shamed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. When's the last person who, who failed an exam gone, I failed an exam? So let me, let, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. the last person who did that. Well, let's let's say like if I if I was a millennial recording this podcast, yeah. would I would I tell people that I was using a microphone for for five of these interviews that wasn't actually working? Yeah, <laughs> they wouldn't never tell wouldn't. anyone that. They wouldn't. They would never tell anyone that. They wouldn't, and then the other millennial won't tell them. Yeah, and it's become a cycle. Well, and. And maybe, look, maybe it's just that I, I'm older and now, and so that's what you've got to look forward to, is as you get older, you don't take yourself as serious because you realise it doesn't work. And you, and you realise that, that what matters is your own thoughts, yeah. how you feel about yourself and what you are thinking. Yeah. Once you deal with that, you can move forward. Yeah. 
Exactly. Exactly. All right. Well, we might leave it there. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Akram. No worries.